grow yourself and grow your marriage. Christian Jana here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode number 113. Yes. On today's episode, guys, we interviewed our friend Steve Demi. Steve Demi is an author, a podcaster. He's the creator of the homeschool curriculum, Matthew C. He is a father to four sons, a husband of over 40 years. He is really just jack of all trades here <laughs> yeah pretty much so something that we don't mention a whole lot in the episode but we want to touch on here because we use his program is he actually was is the creator of the matthew c curriculum that is used in a lot of homeschool homes so that's math dash u the letter u dash c s e e so the best thing about this is i just gotta tell you guys math was my worst subject growing up i literally hated it so when i became a homeschool mom i've been i was immediately afraid of teaching math to our kids because it's just not my strong suit. I'm not even kidding you. Right now, in our current state, this is the subject that I look forward to teaching the most because our girls are just thriving. We're about 10 lessons in. They enjoy it. You can, so it comes with blocks and all these things. You're literally, like it says, math, you see, you're seeing the math as you're doing it and learning the from the basics up. And uh, I don't have enough, I have don't have enough good things to say. No. That's wrong. I have too many good things. How do you say that? I think people see that you want to say good things. <laughs> it's a great program. Highly right. recommend it. Right. Definitely. Uh, you can find it at digital.demilearning.com or obviously just Google Matthew C. Yeah. For today's podcast, we're not talking about Matthew C. So Steve has a ministry. His ministry is Building Faith Families. And on today's podcast, we... We met him at the homeschool convention. We go into that a little bit, but the biggest thing is the sessions that we attended really impacted us, and we're like, we got to have this guy on the show. This is awesome stuff. So we were able to pick Steve's brain, and we think he has a lot of wisdom to impart on us all today. So actually, real quick, guys, before we get into this episode, if you would, take a couple seconds and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're trying to spread the message. We are trying to, we are trying to grow the show. Uh, we have had a lot of people give us feedback, let us know they love the show. It's helping them, all that stuff. Uh, but we we need to spread the message. So I'm going to be a little bold here and say, if you have not yet left us a review and you've been a long time listener, please do that. Uh, that only expands our impact and uh, and what our show is about. So please please leave us a review. And uh, now. Here's Steve. Mr. Steve Demi, welcome to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Yes. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Yes. Good morning, Steve. We are so excited to have you. Um, before we dive into asking you the usual, hey, tell us about yourself. We want to tell our listeners why we wanted to have you on the show today. So at the time of this recording, we met you about already a little over a month ago at the Great Homeschool Convention here in Ohio. And 
it was really kind of weird how it happened. We were going, Chris and I were going to a session together and this guy was standing out front of the room that we were going into. And he literally grabbed Chris and was like, Hey, wait, where are you going? I need you to come to this. What did he say? He's like, I need you to come. Do you know who Steve Demi is? I need you to come mm-hmm. to his, yep, yep. his comp or his session with me. And Chris was like, Oh, okay. And just yeah. followed. And then you can tell about, yeah, it was, it was actually super, super random. Um, when I was, when I was heading into that class, he, he actually kind of wasn't letting the guys go in that class. He was like, <laughs> he's like, Hey, I've heard this guy like three, four times. He's awesome. Just really, really, really great stuff. So come with me, come with me. And I was like, okay, all right, sure. Whatever. So I go to this class and I have no, no idea what I'm getting myself into here. And, uh, and let's just say, man, I learned so much. And I think that your experience uh, just in marriage and I could, I could just tell the, uh, authentic, you know, gentleness in how you handle your marriage and your relationships and stuff. And, and it was inspiring, man. It was, it was a really, really good, a really, really good session. And then the next day I kind of did the same thing to Jonna. I was like, Hey, let's go to this session. And, uh, yeah, I had so, my itinerary all planned out right. and Chris was like, here, we're going to this. And it was great. And I totally, Chris always makes fun of me, but I believe that it was totally a divine thing. I think God intercepted it and we were supposed to cross yeah, paths. And so definitely. all that to say, we're excited to have you. And I need to know, do you pay people to go out there and right. recruit dads to come into your <laughs> sessions? No, but it's, it's really interesting for me to hear this story because it's like the dynamics of a conference that the speaker doesn't see because I'm sitting there getting ready to do the talk mm-hmm. and I don't know what's happening in the hallway. So I'm just sitting here grinning. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's happening. People are out there recruiting. And then we brought people with us to your session, which we this is kind of what we want to talk about today. Um, was this the actual name of your session, Deepening Family Relationships Through Godly Communication? Can we say? We'll say that's... Sure. Sounds yes. great. That's what... That's what it was. So we we recruited some friends that were at the convention with us to come to that session as well. Um, also, I think we had two of our children. So sorry mm-hmm. if they interrupted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I love having kids at, at the conference. So good. Awesome. Well, good. So that leads us into the usual question of tell us um, a little bit about who Steve Demi is. Well, my wife and I celebrated our 42nd anniversary this past May. Yay. Awesome. Uh, I heard the gospel uh, when I was uh, high school age. I deepened my relationship with Christ while I was in college reading the book, The Cross and the Switchblade. And I put the book down and I said, okay, God, here we go. And mm-hmm. I then went to seminary as soon as I graduated from college, not because I particularly felt the call to be a pastor, but because I wanted to follow God fully. Uh, seek first the kingdom was my life verse. And then uh, my wife and I met while I was in New England. Uh, we were married, and God blessed us with four children. And I was working with the church, and our fourth son was born with Down syndrome. And he he shaped a lot of the next 30 years because he had lots of medical issues that first year. Uh, Sandy and I both burned out. And we withdrew from the ministry. We withdrew from all of our other um, responsibilities just to get our family back together. And I started uh, a little tutoring business, trying to help 
put food on the table. It really, I didn't have much of a plan for it. I just wanted to provide for my family. I knew how to teach math. And the long story short is that little tutoring business grew into a curriculum called Matthew C. But at the same time that I was promoting Matthew C. and building this business, I was a frequent speaker at homeschool conferences on family topics as well. So I had those two things going. I was promoting math, encouraging homeschoolers, but I was also encouraging families. And so this is, I'm going to say crisis number one was having Johnny and all of his surgeries, and God used that to divert us. I thought it was a diversion. Looking back, I see that was his plan. And then in 2012, we thought, um, why don't we have a family-owned business? Because my three older boys were now graduated from college, married, and they had all come on board with Matthew C. I thought, this is wonderful. We've homeschooled our kids all the way through. Now we get to live life through them through the business, not knowing that that would be my second crisis because it was really hard to let go of this business. And God used that to deepen my relationship even further because he revealed that I had uh, I have lots of baggage. I had issues, and I kind of didn't want to deal with those. <laughs> I, I don't like to slow down and ask God to search my heart. I didn't. I don't like God to um, point things out. I just want to smooth those things over and keep moving. But I had to, for the sake of my marriage and for the sake of my family. I ended up getting a therapist, and uh, that's another story. But out of that came most of what I'm doing today is uh, talking about how those, you might say those baggages, that's not a good word, but anyway, <laughs> how my own wounds and my stuff were hurting my relationship with my wife, hurting my relationship with my kids. And the thing is, they knew my issues, but it was really hard for me to hear their input because I really wasn't rooted and grounded in Christ alone. Hmm. And and it it drew me to God in a whole new way. And so I'd like to tell people now, 2012 was the hardest year of my life and the best year of my life because God drew me closer to himself. And now I'm convinced that my relationship with God actually colors all my relationships with my wife and my kids. So that's my first priority as a husband now to make sure that I'm rooted and grounded in grace. Paul says that um, that that's my, you might say, my major objective when I wake up in the morning, put Christ first, draw near to God, ask him to search me, read the word of God. I've already been reading in Isaiah this morning. And this, this is... Um, this is my number one responsibility to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said this, and then loving others will flow from that. So that's where I am today. Mm, love it, man. Yeah, that is that is so awesome, and and that's partly why I was so drawn to drawn to your session is because basically it was like, hey, you know, God has us here to be good stewards of what He's given us as our wives and our kids. And it is so important for us to grow a relationship with God. And I think so many times, and we have a we have a base of listeners who are 
we probably have what half secular, half half religious, maybe. I don't know the exact stats. We definitely maybe. have yeah. non-Christian listeners. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I think still with wow. with that, right? Um, I kind of, I kind of would like you to speak to the monster changes in your life from submission to God, um, in how you're now viewing your relationship with your wife and your kids. What I found when I was struggling to let go of the business um, was that I identified myself. I'm not sure that's the best language, but um, I defined my, my identity by what I did. Mm. And I, and I noticed that when you meet people, I just was at my high school reunion this past weekend and the temptation when two men meet, I don't know about ladies, I'm not a lady, but is to first say, what do you do? Because men want to talk about their job, their hobbies, uh, their, their car. And I define myself by actually good things. I wanted to be a Christian husband. I wanted to be a Christian dad. I wanted to be a Christian businessman. I wanted to be a good math teacher. And the problem is <laughs> that I, you're going to have to edit this out later, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but the, the problem was that it was really hard for my wife and my kids to give me feedback on my husbanding, my parenting, my businessing, because if you're defining yourself by those things, that becomes you. Mm-hmm. So if you if I if I was hearing feedback, I took it as criticism of my person, mm-hmm. not of my actions. Mm-hmm. And my family knows me and they know that. So I didn't get a lot of feedback because they knew it would hurt me and they loved me. But finally my wife was the one that sat me down and she point she put her finger right on my spiritual condition and my spiritual pulse she said steve you've done all these wonderful things but you can't do enough to please god and as a result you're hurting our family mm. and that was so devastating for me to hear because the number one thing i wanted to do was to bless my wife and my kids and to find out that i was actually hurting them but you see the thing is it was my <laughs> it was my stuff that was hurting them and I hadn't dealt with my stuff. And uh, so now if you ask me who I am, I'm going to tell you I am an adopted child of God hmm. who does stuff, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm not a stuff doer who became a child of God. It's, it, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a complete paradigm shift. And, and two of my issues were, even though I knew that God loved me in my head, I really didn't think that he liked me. I didn't know how to receive grace. Mm-hmm. And now, you don't want to hear about all this, but <laughs> I've worked with therapists. I've asked God to search me, and I know where that comes from now. It's historical in my relationships with my family and friends and others. And I, I've worked through that. And now I get it. 
And if you ask me who I am, really, I'm going to say I am an adopted child of God, and my dad, my heavenly father, thinks I'm the best thing since sliced manna. (laughs) (laughs) And And if I wasn't doing anything, he still smiles every time I approach him. And he says, hey, it's my son. And that's a biblical image. And I didn't used to believe that. I thought I had to do stuff for God to smile. And now I know that he's, no, he's smiling all the time. He's my dad. And you've got children. And even though they do stuff and it affects different things, you know that when they wake up in the morning, all you want to do is envelop them in this big hug. Hey. Mm -hmm. But I I, I didn't know how to take that. I didn't know how to receive that. Hmm. So. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. So what I feel like I'm hearing you say on a lot of that is oftentimes we find our identity in things that are not eternal, things that can be easily taken away. And when they are taken away, it wrecks us. And so finding our identity in a relationship with God, finding our identity in how how God wants us to, to um, handle and develop our families and ourselves is something that can't be taken away, right? Oh, absolutely. And now, uh, I would say my major objective is to be a loved son so I can be a loving husband and father. And if you look at Scripture, that's what Jesus was. He was a, He spent 30 years with his dad preparing, you might say. I think they just were deepening their relationship. And then it is baptism. It's like the quintessential picture we have of their relationship. The father beaming, this is my beloved boy in whom I take great delight. Now, that's the Steve International version. It's actually a combination <laughs> of several versions. But right. that that's, that's something that we each need to hear, that we're so glad we're his kid. He loves us to pieces. We bring him great joy. And Jesus heard that before he'd ever did anything. And then when he did do things for the next year or whatever, a couple of years, I think it flowed from that. And I need to hear that every day. I need to wake up and see my dad saying, hey, it's my boy. I love you to pieces. You bring me great joy. And now I'm ready to love my wife and kids the same way. Hmm. So good, man. So good. And I kind of feel like, it almost flips the uh, concept in personal growth where, and we've talked about it often. It's like, fill up your cup, right? Fill up your cup first. Otherwise you have nothing to pour out on others. But, but instead of doing things that are, you know, just about us and our physical filling up our cup and things, it's deepening our spiritual walk with God and saying, this is how I'm going to fill up my cup because he's going to give me all the characteristics I need to treat my family the way they need to be treated and love them the way they need to be loved. So, Love that, dude. So one of the coolest things that I think you talked about in, in that session, which was which was one of your first points, was just recognizing the power of our tongue to build up or hurt our family, right? And so, yeah, just expand on that a little bit because that was uh, – I mean, that definitely hit me. God has invested – in parents, and he's given us um, 
it's not a happy word in our culture, but I have to use it because it's biblical. He's given us authority to raise our kids. But the authority that we have, we can either use it to build them up or we can use it to tear them down. And that's what I learned in 2012 in family counseling sessions, personal counseling sessions. There's nobody that can build up my wife and my kids like me. And there's no one that can tear them down like me. Hmm. And one of the ways we do that is with words. And we have to be so careful in what we say. And I'll bet anybody listening, you could remember things that were said to you your entire life, both good and both hurtful. Um, you don't want to hear mine, but I got them. They're in my head. <laughs> but I want my message to my wife and my kids to be positive. I want to build them up. And Proverbs is full of things. You know, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Well, I want to have a gentle tongue. And I especially want to have a gentle tongue with those that are closest to me. Oftentimes, we have a gentler tongue with people that we meet on the street or people that we talk to on the phone than we do with those that are closest to us. And yet, we have to put our best foot forward at home first and then continue that, you know, to loving your neighbor and everybody else. But sadly, it's usually the reverse. And I learned that. And this is why I spend so much time with my heavenly dad now, because I want my wife to get uplifting words. And she did. Now that we're communicating more openly and frankly, she's told me she experienced PTSD symptoms. I don't know how that, what the word is, but when I would, just my tone, Mm -hmm. not even the content of what I said, she could sense in my tone where my spirit was. So we have to be so careful of that. And I don't want everybody to uh, walk around on eggshells, but the heart is actually the key because your tongue is connected to your heart. So when your heart's in a good place and you're rested and you're grounded in Christ and you know that you're loved and then you can take a deep breath and your tongue will usually follow suit. Absolutely. I was thinking about what you said because I am definitely, you know, they always say women can remember everything, all the bad. I remember every fight we've ever had, anything that insulted my person, like you said, who I am as or how I would identify before really being grounded in, in Christ. And I mean, I remember things back to elementary high school that people said to me that was hurtful. So this, that really resonated with me because Chris and I are really open about the the times that we've gone through in our marriage that kind of like you said, it was the best and the worst, because if we didn't go through those really tough times, we wouldn't be where we are at. We wouldn't have needed to completely surrender to God and ask him to help us. But what about the person who's listening and is just like, okay, that's great. But my wife or my husband, like they don't talk nicely to me. How Mm -hmm. can I be gentle to them? How can I respond gently when they're constantly setting me off? And I do feel like I'm walking on eggshells. Yeah. Do you have any advice for that person? The first, the first thing that came to my head was a soft answer turneth away wrath. So we can't change people, but we can control how we respond to them. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
so that's the first thing. Uh, make sure that each of us is walking with God the best that we can. But what about that spouse that isn't getting the cues, <laughs> isn't on the same page? Um, that's where my wife courageously said, Steve, we need to talk. And we sat down and then she she corrected me. Fortunately, I was willing to hear it. But the first time it was really hard because we didn't have our communication skills to where we are now. I'll make this very recent. It was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I called her and I said, she was up at our little cottage up in the mountains waiting for my son to come with his kids. I was going to join her after the Cincinnati conference, by the way. And um, the night before we had not had a good conversation. Didn't end well. And I finally said, I think we probably ought to talk about this tomorrow because this isn't going well now and it's only going to probably escalate. So she suffered over the night and I'm sorry. And I suffered, but I don't think as much as she did. And that morning we talked and we did a FaceTime so I could see her face. I said, how are we doing? She says, not well. And then I asked her why. And she told me and I said, well, can you explain more about what I said? And I just kept asking questions and I kept listening. I didn't want to let it go. And I saw her face change while we were talking. And she told me later, it's because you kept asking questions and you were willing to go back. But it's because I had triggered something from 2012. Because she has the same memory that you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was right back in 2012, just by my tone. Mm-hmm. And I said, what was it? And because I kept probing and I was willing to go back and listen to it and walk with her, I saw her face change. And in 15, 20 minutes, we were good again and she was good. But I asked her later, I said, tell me about that conversation. What what was it that broke it for you? And she says, because you were willing to go back there with me. Mm. And okay, so maybe you don't have that kind of relationship with your spouse. Maybe that's not going to work. I'm going to give a possible third uh, possibility. Find a trusted facilitator, Mm -hmm. not just a well-meaning neighbor, Mm -hmm. but but someone that knows how to be a facilitator. I don't know how to wean those out, but I think you and I know someone that you both respect. They don't have to take sides, but they're just. Uh, like a referee there and having a third party often provides a safe place where people then can talk about difficult things Mm -hmm. that they normally couldn't talk about just one-on-one. So Uh, that's good because I think sometimes no matter how close you and your spouse are, sometimes you don't hear things from them the same way you hear from a third party. I remember when we were going through our really tough time, we were in just the midst of a really uncomfortable, hard situation. One of those things that every time it gets brought up, it turns into a blow up. And we ended up going to our pastor at the time and just saying, Hey, can you hear both of our sides and help us work through this issue? And it really brought out communication that we weren't able to get out in the midst of being angry and not really knowing how to communicate. So that was super Super helpful because I always joke with Chris. I'm like, you really? I've I've said that a million times, and somebody else says it for you, right. and you're like, oh, oh, that's what we should do. Yes, it's so true. So, 
I'm thinking of the person who is like, yeah, but you don't understand. My spouse is so prideful. They won't even let a third party interject. Basically, they grew up uh, watching, let's let's just say they grew up watching one of their parents talk very bad to uh, the other. And that was just how things rolled. And now they're taking all this pent up anger and frustration inside of them based on the marriage and the relationship. And everything I do is now like, oh, you idiot. Oh, you're, oh, you're so worthless. You know what I mean? And you can't even begin to have a conversation with them because they're so prideful. They're like, no, we're not going to go to counseling because that makes it look like we have a bad marriage. And I feel like so many times these days, man, through through the conversations that I've had with listeners, is it has literally been, it's about presentation. It's about looking like something we're not. It is a marriage filled with pride, with frustration, with, you know, no, no form of uh, biblical morality or counsel. It's just like, I am who I am, shut up, and that's it. What advice would you have based on your experience talk, talking to men for someone who is, let's just say, being uh, maybe maybe verbally abused? Um, my wife grew up being taught that she was supposed to be quiet, submissive, not ask questions. One of the reasons that I'm in such a good place today is because prior to 2012, she had finally got her voice. I don't know what that means when people hear that, but I'll see if I can just explain a little bit. She finally realized that she wasn't Steve's helpmate. She had her own identity in Christ. She had her own self-worth. And she began to do the work of, you might say, rebuilding her relationship with God. And I don't think in 2005, she would have had the courage to speak like she did in 2012, but she did because she had finally realized that she had value in Christ herself. She got her voice. And so then she was able then to communicate with me. Okay. Number one, number two, it is hard for a man to hear these things because um, we do want to look good and we don't die well. I'm sorry to say that, but uh, the Bible says submit to one another out of the fear of Christ. And I need to hear my wife. I need to create a safe place for her to be able to speak into my life. And I did take things personally and it didn't go well, but, I need her feedback. I need her to tell me these things. And I can't do it without her. But at the same time, I know that she pays a tremendous price because what if I don't do it well? And what if I start throwing her words back at her? And I'm, uh, this is, and some people will just let it go. Some people will just continue to submit and go with the process because it is so devastating to them. And they think we're going to do peace at any costs. That's not plural peace at any cost. Mm -hmm. However, God doesn't call the wife to die. He calls the husband to die. Mm. 
I'm supposed to lay my life down for my wife. I'm supposed to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Dying is not easy, and I need the Holy Spirit to to help me to be humble. I need to help me to watch my guard my tongue, watch my words, watch my attitudes. And you remember in that workshop, I also need to esteem her highly. That's what scripture teaches in Philippians. It says, esteem one another more highly than yourself. And I was not. I thought, oh, I'm the head of the home. Therefore, I'm the head. I'm not the head. Christ is the head. But I need to listen to my wife as because she's a valued member of the body of Christ. She has unique offerings and gifts, and she's got things to help with uh, uh, with my condition. And I'm not sure that that's answering it. So is that kind of what you're asking? Or Sure it is. And I feel like, so I'm going to get a little bit blunt because I know there are, there are some listeners who are probably hearing that, and they're like, look, Steve, I'm looking for – a two or three step process mm-hmm. to get through to my spouse, but I'm I don't I don't really want the whole Jesus thing. <laughs> Is it possible? <laughs> no. Okay, Jesus himself did not want to die. We know that in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it's possible, let this cup pass for me from me. We all feel that. And yet there's a little clue. It says in Hebrews chapter nine, it says who through the eternal spirit offered himself. I believe the Holy Spirit is the one that helped Jesus to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine. Looking back now, I believe the Holy Spirit is the most unappreciated and yet powerful being on the planet. He's not a force. He's a he. And the Holy Spirit is the one who not only convicts us of sin, but he's also the one that helps us take in that God loves us. Romans 5, 5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is also the one that helps us to say no to ourselves. He helps us to say yes to Jesus. He helps us to go through and die. Do I think that I could have done that without God's help? No. No. I. Um, was it hard? Yes. Uh, if my wife had not been courageous in 2012, I would not be where I am today. We wouldn't be where we are today. And at the end of 2012, which, by the way, we were separated for several months because I was mm. such a mess. I was good Steve one day. I was bad Steve the next day. I was all over the place. And I looked at her in the fall of 2012. I see I'm starting to cry just telling you this. And I said, thank you for being strong because our family would not be where we are today without you being strong. But she also not only had the Holy Spirit, she had a good support team. She did. She had friends. She had a counselor um, that helped her to stay strong. Mm, So powerful, man. That goes to what we were just talking about the other day about just we're not meant to do life alone, and and that's not just – our spouse, but the community around you, the people you surround yourself with, I think is huge into playing into, I know is huge in playing into your marriage because same for us, we've come a long way since having community that supports us and that we can go to. 
that made me as soon as you said you're gonna cry i'm gonna cry so like, she's pregnant hormones. real pregnant <laughs> hormone alert um oh hold on i had a thought and i don't want it to leave hold on don't lose it i know dang it i don't know let me start here yeah, and then you go ahead and if you back. yeah so it sounds to me like throughout this process not only not only inviting the holy spirit to totally ground our thoughts and influence us but this also comes down to somewhat of an a an open uncomfortable conversation with our spouse if we're in a place where we feel like we're not communicating you know um obviously things aren't good i liked the simplicity of what you asked your wife how are we right so how would you start that conversation? Would you start that conversation with how are we and then just shut up and listen or chair chats? Yeah. 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 Let's talk chair about chats. the chair chats. The way that we got back together was sitting on my mother's two rocking chairs in Florida at her home. Uh, she had gone to bed our youngest son, who has Down syndrome, was with us. He went to bed, and we sat out on two rocking chairs, and we just listened to each other, and we heard each other, and we got our hearts together, and it was awesome. And we didn't want to lose that. And sadly, in the past, whenever there would be any kind of a crisis between my wife and myself or family, you know, I, I could put good Steve to the plate. Uh, you know, I could bring him up and Steve would be good for a couple of days, weeks. And that's one of the things she, she told me now that we're hearing each other. She said, Steve, you would go to marriage seminars and you would be different for weeks, months. But eventually you kept going back to what I call my default settings. <laughs> but in 2012, something fundamentally different happened. I died. Sorry, but I did. It just, I died in a different way. And um, men have asked me, boy, Steve, I like where you are, but I don't want to go through what you went through. You got any shortcuts? I said, <laughs> sorry. If you read the Bible, everybody goes through crises. Crises are normal. But crises can change us for the good. And so, uh, and remember what Jesus said, if we lose our lives, we find our lives. So anyway, back to those chair chats. Something fundamentally happened, but I didn't want to just let it be a temporary thing. So we said, let's continue these chair chats. So we put it on the calendar and we tweaked it a couple times, but for many, many years, it was Wednesday mornings at 10.30, and we would go sit down, no cell phones, no media, and we just took turns speaking. And we learned, number one, that it's not our job to fix each other. It's our job to hear each other and understand each other. That was a huge thing for me because I'm a fixer, and I don't want to, you know. Anyway, it's not my job to fix my wife. And for the first time in 2012, I gave my wife, not that I needed to, but it really in my heart, I gave her permission 
to think differently about me and to have different opinions that I have, even about theological things, which was huge because I'm a big personality and I can fill a room. And boy, now we have at least three different denominations in our family and it's okay. <laughs> of course, I'm the only one that's correct. But anyway, you know, <laughs> All right. You know what I'm saying. But the Bible does say, be fully persuaded in your own mind, but then give grace. Because there isn't any human that's going to get it right 100%. So giving my wife the freedom to be who God created and designed her to be. But I learned a lot of this by just listening to her and hearing her. It's my responsibility, I felt like, to create a safe environment where she can speak openly and um, and then ask questions. Well, what did you mean when you say that? And so that day in the car, when I kept pursuing her, I, I now, I can sense, and men can sense, by the way. It's not just the ladies that can sense things. Men have that ability as well. And I can sense when we're not, uh, 100% when something's in the in the atmosphere. And I'm going to recommend two resources. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. I probably learned more about that from a book called Discovering the Mind of a Woman by Ken Nair, who I've met, I've counseled with, and I've gone to his seminars. A friend of mine introduced us. But he said, you can sense your wife's spirit. And I think he based it on First Peter, which says, dwell with your wife in an understanding way. We can understand our wives, which is why he has that title. We can discover what she's thinking and feeling and sensing. It takes a little bit of energy, and it might not come naturally, but we can do it. And he took great confidence from the fact that if God says to do it, then we can do it as men. Mm-hmm. And the second one that helped me to deal with my baggage was a book called, it was by Peter Scazzaro. I can't think of it. Oh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, mm-hmm. which that title has probably taken me 11 years to appreciate. But what it means is, yes, you can be spiritual, but you can also be emotionally healthy. And it's possible to be spiritual without being emotionally healthy. Mm. But I need to be emotionally healthy if I'm going to create an atmosphere where my wife is emotionally healthy. I could probably read that book every year. I've gone through it three times so far, and I could probably read it again and find benefit because it's helped me to develop my emotional, you you might say, capacity to understand my wife. But these chair chats have been revolutionary. And I'll add this one part to that. I'm an extrovert. So usually when I'm thinking something, it's probably about three nanoseconds from my tongue. (laughs) So if I'm thinking it, I'm talking about it. And if something comes up, I just say it and we go. My wife is an introvert. And as you know, relationships, it's often reversed. But knowing that we had these chair chats on a regular basis helped her as an introvert to not feel compelled to say stuff right away, but she could take the time to process it. She could take notes. She could journal about it, pray about it. So when we did get together, 
she knew she had that form and she would pull out a little note card with some notes and she would go through and um, it, it was just wonderful how I saw her blossom. Awesome. And the fact that just the other day after COVID, of course, you don't need many chair chats. You got, that's what your life is as a chair <laughs> chat. So uh, I said, Sandy, we need to, con- we need to start doing this again. We're, we're getting back to normal life. We need to set aside the time. I'm missing our chair chats. Well, how many times has a husband ever said that? Mm-hmm. See, right. that's the work of grace. It's usually the wife that says we need to talk. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and men think as long as we don't have to talk, then we're doing fine. Just yep. keep going. And and um, so the fact that I took the initiative was all we was all anyway. It blessed your socks off because yeah. I do need that, and we need that. And if, the last thing is, she loves to look at the calendar. She's the planner in the family. She gets like goosebumps when I say, could we look at the calendar together? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. that's, our, that's our relationship. I love that. So I've got to ask. So with these chair chats, if you guys were in um, a heated conversation or if there's something that was upsetting you, did you call an emergency chair chat or did you hold off and let it cool down and then handle it? You definitely have to cool off. Yeah. When, 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 when your emotions are running your world, instead of, you've got to just take a timeout. Sometimes a timeout will do it. You can just get up, walk around the room, get something to drink, and then come back. Uh, if it's more serious, then I think you need time to process before you talk. Mm. Because you just can't throw out hurting words and then say, oh, sorry, I said that. Because as you know, those words are still wounding. So if you're not able to control your tongue, call a timeout or set an appointment. But don't just say, let's talk about this later and let it go. Because what that means is I'm not going back here. Mm -hmm. So get that calendar out and say, when can we follow up on this? Make a specific appointment. Because what you're saying now is, I value you. I don't want to let this remain untalked about. So let's find a slot when we're both in a good place and make sure for me that I slept well, I had something to eat, <laughs> not only from God's word, but from the kitchen. Yep. <laughs> no, no uncomfortable conversations when you're hungry. That's just All a right, terrible idea. Have a full belly. That kind of makes me think of uh, how I met your mother, <laughs> the show. Um, Marshall and Lily in that show, they did something so funny. Whenever they got in like a massive fight, oh, yeah. they'd just be like, pause. And then they'd go spend time together and <laughs> hang out or whatever. And then they'd come back, okay, go. <laughs> I think we tried that for a while, uh, dude, didn't we? It was actually a pretty funny, uh, it was actually a pretty funny way to do it because you're like freaking out and you're mad and you're like, pause. <laughs> it does kind of diffuse the situation <laughs> it does, a, little a little bit. bit but well, yeah. I'm like you, I'm extroverted and I'm yeah. quick to say things. And in the beginning of our marriage, I would say, okay, like I can't, I got to walk away. And he would get really upset with me because he would think I was running from the conversation and, and wanting him to like making it a game, wanting him to come find me. And no, I'm like, no, I don't want right. you to come with me. I need a minute to cool down. Cause I don't want to, I know my tongue is going to spout off something that I know is going to just upset you or hurt you. Now that I am more rooted in my relationship with God, I will say 
there have been times where I've removed myself from the situation and really prayed, like been really mad and been like, God, I need you to give me the right words and the right posture to go back to Chris and have this conversation. And it's amazing because he really has, like you said, the Holy spirit, the, the way he works in you allows me to be like, Oh, I'm so mad in this situation. And I think I'm right. And I'm prideful. And then I I say that prayer and it's like, all of a sudden I'm going back to Chris, like, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh, where did that come from? Hmm. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's, yeah. I think that's good. I think that old marriage advice of don't go to bed angry actually isn't, the most, uh, the best advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so let's kind of touch on the, uh, the parenting aspect of this. Uh, one of the points you brought up was, you know, just building trust and providing time to rebuild trust with our kids. So my wife were reconciled. We were reconciled pretty quickly. And we're in a really good place now. In fact, we're better than we've ever been before. Awesome. It took a little bit to kind of rebuild trust with my boys. And my wife told me that. In fact, she referenced Ken and Nancy Nair, that first book that I mentioned. She said, you remember their relationship? They got back together quickly, but it took a while to rebuild those relationships with your kids. So um, with my own sons, I remember in 2013, so the next year I took, my three older boys out to lunch. I said, um, I know that I've asked your forgiveness when I've offended you or sinned against you or hurt you, and you've graciously forgiven me, but I'm your dad. And um, I want you to be whole. And the things that I've said were not right, and uh, we may have to do some work here and I'm willing to do whatever it takes for you to be whole. And if that means talking to you, you and your spouse, you and your church, you and your counselor, I don't care what it is, but I want you to have closure. I want you to be good. And one of my sons got right in the car with me and we began to talk that day. Another one, uh, I would say, was testing me for about another year and a half in the sense that they'd seen Pop make changes before, just like my wife had seen me make changes before. But was this one different? Was this one really going to be significantly different? And he tossed out some things like he'd say, well, I believe this, knowing full well that I didn't. <laughs> and I just would say interesting. And I'd smile. Interesting works, by the way. It means I heard you. I don't necessarily agree with you, but I heard you. Three months later, tossed out another, what I call hand grenade to see how I'm going to respond. And I said, interesting. Thank you for sharing. I think it, he would just seeing if pop is still serious about this. So it was 2014, the end of 14, see, about a year and a half. I got a phone call one day. He said, how about Friday at 9 o'clock? I'm pretty sure that's all he said. He didn't say, can we get together and talk about the past 50 years? He just said, how about, and I said, I'm in. And I went over there, and just the two of us, and he read me a letter that he'd carefully written, boy, over a year or two before. And uh, 
It was the good, the bad, and the ugly. What it was like to grow up in my home, to have me for a dad. The things I did well, the things I didn't do well. He had questions for me. Did you ever do this? Was this ever a part of your, uh, it's all kind of stuff. And boy, we wept and we prayed and we cried and went through tissues. And after about three hours, we're good. I remember calling him a couple of weeks after that or talking to him. I said, are you okay? I said, sometimes when you get real vulnerable like that, he says, no, there's nothing between us now. We got it covered. Mm. So I'm just in a really good place with all my kids now. And I I just want to love them and build them up because it's not my job. Plus, they're adults now. But it's not my job to control them. It's not my job to change the way they think. I can't do those things anyway. It's my job to love them and support them and to be there for them and have their backs. So for those of us with little little people in the home right now. In the training stage. In the training (laughs) stage, yeah. All of ours are six and under. Do you have any advice that maybe you wish you could go back and tell Steve of little four little sons, like what, what, what do you wish based on your kids feedback you would have maybe done differently or you could tell parents with young kids to really focus on? Okay. First of all, it's a great question. It's one I've thought about a lot. I would love a do over. (laughs) Here's what I would do two things. But I don't know if you remember what I said, that my wife put her finger on my spiritual condition. You can't do enough to please God. I really pushed myself too much. Uh, Seek first the kingdom. I took to a whole different level than I think what God meant. So I had very little Steve time. Now, the things I were doing were good things. You would be impressed. But it made it so I didn't have much margin. I didn't have hardly any margin. If I had energy, it was expended in some capacity. So the first thing I would do is I would learn how to take some Steve time with his dad. But I would also then get some help on making sure that I had a good relationship with my dad that my dad didn't need me to do stuff to please him. I needed to learn about grace. So I, but I would, I would uh, take some naps. <laughs> I would take some walks and I, without feeling guilty, but I would, I would keep my uh, emotionally health My spiritual condition, I would take care of that first. I think that's preeminent. And I didn't do that. Even though I knew that I should. I used to preach about this. You know, give your best to your family, not the crumbs. Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, I was trying to give the best to my family, but I was also giving the best to the church, and I was also giving the best to ministry. And there's only so much that you have. Okay, so that's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do is... If I'm in a good place, then I would create a safe place for my children to be able to ask me hard questions and feel safe that they could have different opinions or they could ask different opinions. Um, All of our kids are different. 
and they process life differently. And I just give you one example. We had our son with Down syndrome, and we all processed his coming into our world differently. My wife differently, I differently, uh, each of my boys. And I never just sat down with them and said, what are you thinking about having a special needs brother? What's it like for you to have a, a brother with Down syndrome? How does that make you feel? Mm-hmm. What What do you feel like when he's going into surgeries? Um, I didn't have enough juice to give them an opportunity to air out what they were feeling. And I would listen and I would not try to fix. I would just ask questions and draw them out. Everybody wants to be listened to. Everybody wants to be heard. It's one of the main ways we can value our children Hmm. is if we don't just cut them off and go back and do life. But if we can stop and have some one-on-one time, I met one family that used to take every Sunday afternoon and the husband and the wife would sit in their bedroom on their bed and and then each of the kids had a chance to come in and they were just the focus mm. and they would just talk with them and process the previous week and give them a chance to ask them questions. And just just think about that. 50 times in a year, you get to have mom and dad's undivided attention and just talk and be heard dang wow yeah that's awesome and they did that every week and they said that the kids just looked so forward to it but i had another friend that what he used to do he had five children and he used to take one of them out to breakfast every saturday morning and they'd rotate one-on-one with dad having breakfast at the local diner And that man grew up without a dad, and yet he took that initiative so that his kids wouldn't grow up without a dad. And think about that. Is there anything better than going to the local diner with your dad on a Saturday morning? Hmm. And again, five kids, I can do the math without the blocks, (laughs) 10, 10 times you have an hour with your dad just to talk and watch how your dad interacts with the waitress and watch how he meets his friends at the diner and just have that one-on-one time. Um, and that's not a lot of time, folks. If, if we can just carve out a few minutes one-on-one with, with our kids on a regular basis. I, I pretty much just did life as a family. I would take the whole family to the diner. I would have the whole family in our van. But I wish I had had enough and just take one-on-one. Yeah, that would be my do-over. And just be safe and not be looking at my watch and not be thinking about something else I can do for the kingdom, but just do something for each of those children. That's That would be my main do-over. And I'm trying it now, by the way. Hmm. I, t- I take my kids out to lunch. I invite them out to lunch. And I say, and we're not going to talk about business. <laughs> Let's just talk about you. I just want to be your dad. How's it going? Yeah. That's making me emotional. I feel like that's the third time I've said that, but that's convicting me. That's hitting my heart because that's something we really struggle with. You know, we're on our fifth baby. We've got a lot going on. Our days are constantly, you know, I'm still trying to figure out this homeschool mom thing. And I feel super convicted about cutting the kids off when they're trying to tell me something because I'm so you know, especially our oldest, because she is a very dominant personality and she wants that attention and wants to be the one talking 24 seven. And it's so 
easy in that moment to just think like, oh, what that's not that's not important right now. You know, I don't say that, but I know that's what she gets from me whenever I'm I cut her off. And man, I don't want to look back and I don't want to look back and feel like I've damaged them from that. We definitely need to work on oh, for sure. the one-on-one time with the kids. And that's really, I like that Sunday idea too. That's really good advice. Well, how, how about this one? Uh, now I'm just brainstorming with you. Yeah, I, let's do it. What if you were to look down at your daughter and say, honey, I know what you have to say is important. I'm just not in a good enough place to hear it right now. Got a lot of things going could you make a little note of that or write it down and then we can follow up on this later? That's a good idea. She would love that actually. She has a little journal, so she would probably mm-hmm. she'd probably fill up the whole journal with little notes that she's trying it to It would learn. all be about breakfast. And it would all be about food and yeah, no. <laughs> no. That's usually what our conversations center around. What are we eating? Always. When are we eating? Can I have a snack? How much can I have? How uh, much? Uh, yes. <laughs> No, that's really good. I love I love that idea and I love the Sunday idea. I think that would be yeah. special. Yeah. We've been talking like about how can we rotate dates with us um and and the kids cuz yeah, with five almost yeah. five kids. Yeah. It's challenging to give them that one-on-one time, but when we do have one on so on their birthdays, we always do mom and dad take them out by themselves for lunch and nice. activity. And they really at this they just they are now they really look forward to that and every time we are like oh we need to do this more because we see so much of their per- a different side of them when For they sure. don't have the siblings around um, especially our second one she's four and she's much quieter because her siblings are so dominant but when we have her by herself we're like oh I didn't know you knew that I didn't know you mm-hmm. talked like that I didn't know you know, I've never noticed the way your eyes light up when you see this or whatever. So uh, I love that idea. And, but let me just tuck this in. If I had to go back and do over then, I don't know if I could have done it as well as I can now though, because now I'm more comfortable in my own skin. I was still trying to figure out who I was. And so if they'd asked me some really deep questions, I might have withdrawn or got defensive. Mm -hmm. And now I can just say, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or, boy, thanks for pointing that out. Because, again, the more I'm close to my dad, my heavenly dad, and I'm comfortable in who he made me to be, the more I'm free to be transparent. Because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to impress people. I'm just trying to be me. Yeah. And um, I don't know if that only happens when you're in your 60s, but <laughs> I would I would like to think that we could get there more earlier if we invest in it and are intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't. Which I didn't do. I would say it's possible now because I I see us doing things differently than our parents did as far as being vulnerable and saying, Hey mom was wrong. And that like, will you forgive me? We're trying to. Yes. Which, which before we let you go from this interview, Steve, I thought one of the most powerful parts of your, um, of your session was what you talked about in why your kids wanted to stay close to God. So you're, Okay. I'm teeing you off for the story, man. Yeah. No, no, I remember. (laughs) 
So we were at a homeschool conference and three of my boys were with me and um, the audience had the opportunity to ask them what it was like being homeschooled. And, you know, some people said, did you miss the prom? Did you miss, you know, sports or whatever, things like that. And finally, somebody said, I have a question for your oldest son. And he came up to the microphone and I stepped off to the side and he said, "Um, what was it about your dad's faith that made you want to follow Jesus? And the whole room, it was like the movies, got dark. And I'm standing there looking at my son. I I, I can't even tell you. It's like those movies where everything gets really slow. (laughs) And 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 my mind was just thinking, what is that boy going to say? And he stepped up to the microphone. And before I tell you what he said, let me just give you a little background. One of the first times that I think my wife was Mama Bear. You know what Mama Bear is? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mama Bear knows how to get along with Papa Bear on her own, but when she starts seeing Papa Bear herding the cubs, then Mama Bear steps up to the plate. And uh, so Sandy had courage enough to say, Steve, and this was, I know exactly when it was, 1998, she says, you have a problem with anger. My first thought as a man was, nah, I can handle that, and uh, I can fix this. And I tried for a couple months to be different, and yet after a couple months, I realized she was she was right. By the way, my wife is almost always right. Good, good. And, yeah. Take notes, Chris. And mm-hmm. um, I went to my fellow elders, and I confessed to them that I had a problem with anger and asked them to pray for me. That's what it says in First John we're supposed to do. I read a book on anger. I uh, went to a seminar on anger. I listened to a cassette tape. I mean, I was—I thought I was doing what I should do. I really wasn't noticing a whole lot of difference. I finally knelt down by my bed and just cried out to God, you've got to change me. Something in me helped me. And, um, and he did. Something broke. So then I went to each of my boys, but I but my oldest was the first and we were on a a trip to go look at colleges. And so I said, you know, we have some time now. I would like to talk about something. It's going to be hard for me to talk about. And I don't even know what I'm doing because I'm not a psychotherapist or whatever, but can you remember times when I have lost my temper and been angry? And he was very thoughtful and reflective. And he said, yes, And he recounted four or five of them. And we talked them through. We worked through the thing. I said, I am really sorry. Will you forgive me? And then I did the same thing with my next son. But so back back to the podium. So my son's standing there. And he says, yes, it was my father coming to me and asking my forgiveness that made me sense the depth of his commitment to Christ. Mm. And that anger situation at that point was my lowest time. Again, these are my kids. Why am I losing my temper with my kids? Why, why am I wounding them? And it was just devastating to hear these things, but I confessed it. I did the best that I could. 
And I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite names for God is Redeemer. Because if we can, in humility, deal with our stuff and humble ourselves and do our part in repenting, he's able to redeem situations. I wish the situation had ever happened, but I can't change it. But I can be different. I can ask God to change me, and I can uh, trust him. And he redeemed that. And I don't know if you know this, but there'd be no Matthew C. if I hadn't gone through the first valley with my son with Down syndrome. And there'd be no conversation right here if I hadn't gone through the next valley with this family business translation uh, transition. God works through our stuff if we can just humble ourselves and, and trust him. And he really can redeem things. Amen. 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 Yes. Yes, sir. Well, Steve, this has been so good, man. We we have we've been ministered to today for sure. Um, so, tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. Tell them about your podcast, uh, all the good stuff, man. And then uh, and then we will say goodbye. Well, thank you. So we do have a website. Uh, we it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Building faith families.org you can google it or just type in the url buildingfaithfamilies.org on there there's a book on communication which would be similar to the talk that you heard i pretty much wrote my books for follow through for my talks mm -hmm. i didn't write the books to be standalone books they were for people that want to go deeper so there's questions at the end of each section etc and but you can either buy the book or you can read it as a PDF on the website. It's free. That book is also an audio book, so you can listen to it. And I'm hoping to continue to put all my books on audiobook because I know that sometimes people would rather listen to them in their car than have the time to read them. And um so there's books on there, there's resources there. We do have a pod I keep saying we. I have a podcast. Uh, I just recorded podcast 295. Whoa. Awesome. Yeah. it's awesome. So there's themes, but they're all available on the website. Or you can go to the, you know, the, uh, they keep changing the name of it. I don't know if it's iTunes or Apple Play. And now it's Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. And then it, it's Google. What's theirs called? Google Google Podcast, I think. Yeah. Okay, so mm -hmm. yeah, it's all in the popular channels and different things, but they're usually about 20, 25 minutes with my co-host who also lives in Cincinnati, Scott Moore. Nice. nice. Okay. Yeah. And you can find me if you want to email me, whatever. We, we can do that too. So awesome. I really want to encourage families the best I can, and I want to help them because I am convinced that we don't have to just fight against government involvement in our homes. We need to build godly homes mm -hmm. because that's the future of America. And by the way, I'm not giving up on this world. Mm -hmm. Jesus is coming back to this planet. <laughs> He's going to set up his kingdom on this planet. And when you're rebuilding a society, it starts with families, which, as you know, really starts with relationships between the husband and the wife. Yeah. So we make healthy marriages. We're going to have healthier families. We have healthy families. We're going to have healthy churches. We're going to have healthy culture. So that's 
to me, uh, it's not just about resisting the devil. It's about building God's kingdom in our homes one at a time. Amen. Well, we're in partnership with that, with you, with that. And that's also why we're having so many kids. So, right. <laughs> yes. Be fruitful and multiply. Exactly. See, yeah. one or two is just adding and subtracting. So, you guys are <laughs> literally fulfilling the scripture. And I want to thank you for inviting me on and thank you for what you're doing for God and bless you and your peanuts. Oh, thanks, Steve. Thanks so much, Steve. This has been great. Yes, we appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. If this interview with Steve Demi brought you as much value as it did Chris and I, please go ahead and share it. And do not forget that you can text us at 513-620-4333. We'd love to hear from you.